And the message I want to share has to do with a shout. But it's not our shout of praise unto God. It's his shout over your life and over my life. You see, Holy Scripture declares God as shouting something over our lives. The empty tomb is Jesus shouting something over your life and over my life. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, close to God or distant, on fire or cold as ice. God's shout descends over your mind and ears and soul, your whole being. Because his shout can be so much louder than the voices that sometimes torment me, torment you. Throughout our journey, we are accustomed to many, many voices. We know the voice of self and the voice of others and the voice of society, the voice of culture. We know the voice of demonic forces, things that speak to us, visit us in the night hour, in the early morning. They can be a plague. They can be such a torment. Voices of anxiety or worry or fear or confusion or cynicism and skepticism, unbelief and doubt. They can just ravage our mind, torment our soul. And there's a shout that comes from the Lord that can transcend those voices. Those voices that pull us into various addictions. God's shout can bring liberty in the midst of captivity and bondage. His shout over your life and over my life. We know how it can penetrate into us, especially with the voice of self, our self-talk. You talk more with yourself than anyone else. That's what the psychologists indicate. We know it's true. And there's a myriad of thoughts that course through our mind. Actually, studies have indicated that on any given day, you'll think forty to 50,000 thoughts. Wow. forty to 50,000 thoughts a day will course through your mind. 90% of them are repetitive. 80% of them are negative. 80% of them. So our self-talks can sometimes bring us so low and so down. We can consider our own reasoning, our own logic, our own analytical thinking on various matters and be so tormented. But there's a shout that comes from the Lord, and it comes from an empty tomb. Amen? An empty tomb is good news because he's alive. But listen, an empty glass, if you're thirsty, is not good news. An empty table, when you're hungry, is not good news. An empty gas tank is not good news when you need to get somewhere. An empty wallet or purse is not good news. But an empty tomb, that's good news. That is good news because it declares that Jesus conquered sin and death. And it's far more than just sound waves. It's far more than a high decibel level. It's the force and the impact of our risen Lord and his life, touching the human condition, touching your life, touching mine. The Bible actually makes a declaration about God's shout. It's recorded in Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 30. There 
in its context, the historical setting, the prophet Jeremiah is making a declaration from God about his voice speaking. And God's shout is against his enemies. Every nation that reared its head up against God and his kingdom. It says that the Lord descended with a shout against the enemy. Now think of it as we consider Resurrection Sunday. 1 Corinthians 15 says that our enemy, the final enemy, the most intense enemy, is death. But death is more than cessation. It's separation, that we've been split, separated from God. Our unbelief splits us on the inside. Selfishness will separate you from others, and pride will divide you from God and his presence. Yes, as it says in Holy Scripture, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. Death is separation, division, splitting, fragmentation of the human life, of your intellect, your emotions, your spirit, your soul, even your physical body. And God has come to shout against that enemy that has come against all of us, death. Separation, being split and so fragmented, so disjointed, so disconnected that you've lost vision and direction in your life, purpose. You know this year has been a difficult year. So many voices speaking over our minds and hearts. And all that the shout of God would transcend every one of those voices, that we would hear his voice. It would be preeminent. It'd have the highest priority, his shout. The scripture says in Jeremiah 25 and verse 30, the Lord will roar from on high. He will thunder from his holy dwelling and roar mightily. He will shout. The Lord will shout. And as I said earlier, it's more than a decibel level or sound waves. It has to do with the impact and the force of his presence and of his life descending over you and over me. That shout is extremely important. That shout brings not only direction, but many times protection over our lives, correction and affirmation. It's extremely important. I remember many years ago, over 31 years ago, when Pastor Stephen was three years old, I had the assignment of putting him into a stroller, and I failed to lock him in correctly. Big trouble. We were in Port Jefferson, which is a town in our area, and I was uh, just leading him along in that stroller. Diane was with me, along with Stephanie, and we were just moving along the sidewalk. Right next to us, of course, was a busy street, Park cars. And as we were moving along, I looked down, and guess what I didn't see? Stephen, he was gone over 30 years ago, and I still feel the cold feeling over me. I thought, oh my goodness, my one assignment, my one responsibility, and he's gone. Where did he go? He had slipped down out of the straps that I didn't properly secure. And he was making his way to my left. I didn't notice that until with my peripheral vision, I I saw him going behind a parked car, heading right for this busy street. And the cars were coming down rapidly. When I looked over and I saw him, 
Do you think I would greet that moment with, hey, Stephen, do you want to come back? No, I, I, Stephen, I shouted, stop. And then I went and I grabbed him. I tell you, he needed to hear that because he, he still moves to this day. He's all over the place. And he was going. Thank God that, that shout stopped him. It protected him. And I was able to grab him and pull him in because those cars, he was too small. He would have never been seen. He'd have never been here today. A shout can descend over our life to preserve our life, to protect us. But I'm going to ask you a, a rhetorical question. But I want you to reflect on it. Dig deep in your own heart as you're listening here in the sanctuary, as you're listening right now online. If you're all, if you're all alone in your living room, just listen. Why don't you ask your question? Question of yourself. Do I have ears to hear his shout? Do I have ears to really hear his shout? Or have I allowed things to cut off my ears? Have I allowed some past hurt or pain, some situation that arose in my life that created anger or resentment or bitterness, confusion or worry or anxiety or fear that severed off my ears, created an inability for me to hear him, and now my hearing is very selective. I'm only listening primarily to my own voice or sometimes the voice of others, and I'm more depressed and there's more of a negative attitude and disposition in me than ever. My ears were cut off by cynicism and skepticism. You see, I, I would have never stood up here and proclaimed with, with authenticity and credibility and validity in my own heart to you that I believe that Jesus really rose from the dead. No, there was a season in my life that I felt it was a fable, a fictitious idea, a fairy tale, not to be entertained by good logic and reason. My ears were severed off. I couldn't hear. But then by God's grace, a day came when my ears were restored and I could hear the message of the resurrection. And I was able to meet it not only intellectually and academically, but personally in my own heart. And I can say to you with all of my heart, my whole being, I can say this authentically. I know Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive. And I have the opportunity daily to hear his voice. And it's not because I'm special. It's because God loves all of us. He so loved the world. He gave us his only begotten son that we would just believe in him. But you might have confronted Maybe for you, it's not cynicism or skepticism, doubt and unbelief. Maybe for you, it's a really intense disappointment. You're disappointed maybe with yourself or someone else in your life. Maybe, maybe you're disappointed with God because he didn't answer a prayer that you thought you lifted with the sincerity of your being. So you're so disappointed that that disappointment's become like, like a sword and has cut off your ears. You can't hear his shout. Couldn't he, can't hear a whisper, can't hear him speaking, can't hear his voice, and definitely can't hear his shout. You know, there's a story recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 21. The scene is actually after the resurrection. The disciples had gathered together, not all of them, it was about 
seven of them. Peter says to about six of the other apostles, come on, let's go fishing. And they do it. It's recorded in John chapter 21, and they go fishing. And it says they fished all through the night, and they caught absolutely nothing. And then they were greeted in the morning by a voice from the shore that said to them, listen, do you have any food? And they all responded in unison, no. And that no was pregnant with disappointment. And Jesus on the shore of Galilee said, throw that net. Now here's the shout. Here's his voice. Throw that net on the other side. Now, they may have been in a milieu of disappointment, but now God gave them a grace moment that their ears were reattached and they could hear the words of Christ, but they didn't know it was him to what was about to happen. And they decided to obey. Now, consider the logic of the moment. The boat was maybe eight to 10 feet in its width. So he's inviting them to throw the net on the other side. And of course, we know, as it's recorded truthfully in Holy Scripture, they do, and they catch a multitude of fish. They're so excited that John says to Peter, this is the Lord. So Peter leaps into the water and begins to swim ashore. I want you to think of that. Their blessing, their provision was so close to them. It was so near their disappointment. They could have missed it. But because they listened to the shout of the Lord, the command of the Lord, the voice of the Lord that transcended logic and good reason of the day, but it was the right thing to do. They listened and they obeyed. And that provision was right near them, right next to their disappointment. You might be disappointed. You might feel cold and callous in your relationship with God. You might feel confused and perplexed, bewildered. You might be so near his answer, his provision, closer than you could imagine. When we think of the shout of the Lord, I think it's analogous to a practice that was done in ancient warfare. Out of antiquity, we can draw an understanding that they would have what was called a battle cry. It was lifted by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, Romans, the barbarians of the day. They would lift a battle cry. You've seen it on movies depicted historically when they would begin to shout. Historians will say there were probably five things that they were attempting to communicate in that moment. The first one was, we are alive. Secondly, we are here right now. Third, we are strong. Fourth, we are one. And fifth, we will conquer. That was the battle cry. I can't help but think of that shout in the midst of the battles that we contend with in life coming from our Lord. The scripture says, the Lord shouted. Maybe he's saying to you and to me, from the Godhead, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, saying to you and saying to me, I am alive. 
I am here right now, relevant and practical with your need. I am and we are strong. And we, the Trinity, are one. And we will conquer. Boy, if you could hear that shout over your life, I say, Lord, I want to hear that every day, every morning. I want to hear the shout of the Lord, that shout that came from the tomb, that shout that comes from the Father and the Son and the Spirit, the sacred trinity. We are alive. Hallelujah. And we are here. And we are strong. And we are one. And we will conquer. And no matter what you're contending with, I don't know what your dilemma is. I don't know the context of your situation. But God knows. And that voice that torments you, that voice that visits you constantly, habitually, repetitively, there's a shout that's bigger and stronger and greater than that voice. You don't have to succumb to some addiction or some sin. You can yield to him like Mary Magdalene, when she needed to hear the shout of reconciliation, when she came to that empty tomb and she was perplexed, she didn't know what happened. And we know at first she thought Jesus was a gardener and she asked, please show me if you know where he's at. I want to go recover the body. And then he says her name, Mary that tells me he knows every one of our names. He knows your name. You might feel isolated, alienated, alone. You might be looking online right now and feel like nobody knows your situation. You might be sitting across from family. They really don't know what's going on in your heart and life. But he knows you. He knows your name. And when he says your name, Mary, all of a sudden, what should awaken in you is, oh, teacher, you're alive. And she could hear, she could hear the shout of reconciliation. That means the wall has come down, the separation, the splitting, the disconnect from God can be restored. And it's not a mystery, it's not ethereal, it's not philosophical. He's a real God the living God, the only true God. And his shout of reconciliation says, listen, the walls come down, the separation is removed. And that's why he says, listen to what he says to Mary. He says, I'm returning to my God and your God. My father and your father. You see, you've been reconciled. Maybe for you, you need to hear a shout of forgiveness because you're tormented by certain decisions and choices, actions and conduct that you express through your life. And nobody knows. Some things you're so embarrassed about, they're stuffed in a closet, they're so suppressed, you don't want anyone to know about it. And there's an element of shame and guilt and condemnation. And let me tell you, those voices are loud, they're strong. I've heard them in my own life many times. But Peter needed to hear the shout of forgiveness. 
the shout of forgiveness that soared above that voice of shame and guilt and condemnation. And that's why the setting is given to us again in the Gospel of John chapter 21, that after Peter jumped in the water and comes ashore, it says that there was coal with fire and Jesus had prepared a meal. And right on the heels of the meal, Peter, who's standing there, you know he's having immediate flashbacks. Why? Because there's a description given of when he denied Christ. It says that he was by a fire. He was warming himself. So I'm sure as he saw Jesus feeding him, there was the surfacing of guilt. Sometimes you get close to that memory, that which you had done. You knew, oh, that was wrong. That was sinful. I compromised in that moral decision, in that ethical decision, in that relational decision. I, I, I compromise with what I do with my eyes and my thoughts and my attitude and my actions. And all of a sudden, you're near that fire. And you feel it. And it's not warming you. You feel it's condemning you. And Jesus, right near that moment, because he brings us there many times, at a place where you feel so close, there's provision even closer. Right next to your sense of condemnation and guilt, you might be closer than you realize to hearing and catching a multitude of forgiveness. In that moment, Jesus says, do you love me? Peter said, yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. You see, he had to pound that in deep because sometimes the voice of guilt, the voice of shame, the voice of condemnation can be upon us even on our deathbed. The regret and the embarrassment. And so some other voice, and that's the voice of Christ, has to get louder. And sometimes it has to get strong when we hear it not once, but twice and three times. Please hear his shout over you of I love you and I forgive you. I don't push you from me. I draw you to me. And my blood is more than sufficient to wash you of any sin. Young or old, close or distant, on fire or cold as ice. He loves you, and his shout of forgiveness is over you like it was over Peter. Or maybe there's fear, like the description is given to us of the disciples, and before they experience the post-resurrected Christ, they are hidden, and they said they closed the doors, and it gives in Scripture the reason why. It said because they were afraid. Have you ever battled with the voice of fear? I have. The voice of fear that can come and torment and paralyze us, it's not a sacred fear, reverential fear toward God. It's, it's a slavish fear that entangles you, restricts you, binds you, paralyzes you, stops you, impedes your ability to advance forward. It's a fear, the fear of rejection or ridicule or failure, the fear of others or the fear of bodily injury or the fear of sudden death. There's so many different fears that can paralyze your mind and your heart. And Jesus, he comes with what? A shout of courage. Right there in a position of fear, closer than you realize is the provision of courage. It's just on the other side of the boat. It's right next to your fear. He's about to speak to you a shout of courage. And you'll realize the genesis and the source of that is not yourself, it's Him. You hear his shout of courage that comes over you. 
And it causes you like it did with the apostles and the disciples. They were hidden away. They were expressing cowardice. And now they burst forth and they proclaim the gospel for the rest of their lives. All of them lay down their lives in martyrdom except the apostle John. All of them were no longer fearful. They were courageous, courageous. Even Thomas, and I can relate with him, how he had that voice of doubt and unbelief and cynicism and skepticism. And he needed to hear that shout of faith. And Jesus does it. He visits Thomas. He doesn't mock him in his quest, in his search, in his desire to discover the truth. He doesn't mock him. You might be here and might be saying, listen, I'm not ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. I have a question mark over the the whole issue of religion and Christianity. Listen, if you are sincere in your heart, you keep pursuing. Keep pressing in. I had to do that. I even studied all the different religions because I want to know, did I have the right religion? And then I realized, wow, though I read through all the different writings, the Vedic writings, the, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, and researched all the different ones, I realized, wow, the table of the Lord is the real table. The Bible is the infallible and errant word of almighty God. And I had to discover that. I had to cross over a bridge of reasoning then come across a bridge of revelation and faith. Maybe for you, you're like a Thomas, but you know what the beauty of faith? It is not something mechanical or just intellectual. It isn't something mystical or magical. It is relational. That's why he said, you touch my hands, touch my side. There's that tactile communication, that communication of touch that is intrinsically built into relationship. You touch me because faith involves relationship. And maybe you're struggling with the voice of doubt or unbelief. The shout of faith can descend over your ears and your heart and realign your thinking and your heart to know and trust and believe. Then the last one was Paul. You might say Paul had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, yes. He says it in his own writings in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, as one born out of season, I had the opportunity. And he had that opportunity on the road to Damascus. And on that road, he saw a light and he heard and he experienced the resurrected Christ. And what shout did Paul hear over his life? From my perspective, it was more than just the shout of of forgiveness or reconciliation or courage. It was a a shout of redemption. Redemption. Now here's where I have to walk cautiously and maintain our understanding biblically that there is the issue of choice and consequence, cause and effect, sowing and reaping. But there is a truth that the shout of redemption can override all of that. He can take a crooked stick and make a straight blow. Almighty God could take something what is almost an inevitable consequence and remove it in the mystery and in the miracle and in the reality of his shout of redemption. Like theologians will speak about the Genesis account and say that God created from nothing something, ex nihilo, out of nothing he created something. Well, redemption and the shout of redemption takes something, your mistake and mine, your failure and mine. 
the voice of failure that is so strong that can torment us. He can take that something and by his mercy and by his grace, make it into nothing. He can take that negative and superimpose his vertical touch and create a positive in your life and mine. His shout of redemption can remove and silence the voice of failure. I'm going to ask everyone here, would you just bow your head, close your eyes? I believe all of you that are listening here in the sanctuary, the extended sanctuary, those of you right now in the overflow room, and those of you that are watching right now online, I believe that God is speaking to you. I believe that with all my heart. He desires you to hear his voice, his shout over your life. Maybe for you, you are battling intensely with a sense of separation and isolation. And you need to hear the shout of reconciliation over your life. Maybe you drifted. You denied the Lord through some choices and decisions that you made, even recently. And you feel backslidden. You need to hear the shout of God's forgiveness, his restoration like he did with Peter. Maybe for you, you're battling with such fear. You, you, you don't want to even go outside. You're so afraid. God wants to shout over you courage to restore your life. In your doubt, he wants to give you the shout of faith. And for you right now, you might feel like Paul. You see, Paul was involved in murder. He rejoiced when Stephen was martyred. And he wanted to bring pain and suffering upon Christians. He had failed miserably. And so he needed to hear the shout of God's redemption that God could take a crooked stick and make a straight blow. He could take all the negative and make something positive. He could take that something and make it into nothing. Yeah, that's the miracle of the shout of his redemption. If that's where you're at right now, I'm going to ask you just to join me in prayer with this. Jesus, forgive me for drifting. Forgive me for allowing my heart to get cold and callous. Forgive me for backsliding. For letting so many things get in the way of my relationship with you. Right now, this moment, that's right, say it from your heart. I recommit and rededicate my heart back to you, God. He feels your touch. Now he touches you. Maybe for you, you've never, ever received Jesus into your heart, into your life. I can't think of a more beautiful moment. See, your salvation is closer to you than you realize. Closer to you. You have nothing. You're empty. You've been searching all through the night. Now Jesus is shouting to you, come to me. Throw the net on the other side. Come to me and receive me as your Savior, the forgiver of your sins, and receive me as the Lord, the ultimate leader of your life. And that won't engender tyranny, but liberty. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I receive you this day into my heart to be my Savior, the forgiver of my sins. 
I receive you to be the Lord, the ultimate leader of my life. I repent and turn from my sins and I turn my whole life over to you. And I receive the promise of abundant life, a life filled with purpose. And I receive, that's right, right now in prayer. And I receive the promise of eternal life to live with you forever and ever. For I give my heart to you, Jesus, as the resurrected Christ. Amen. Can everyone look up here? Listen, if you prayed that prayer, be it a prayer of rededication, recommitment, or for the first time, I want to encourage you to connect with us. You'll see it come up on the screen, or you could text so that we can send resources to you to help you grow and mature and develop in your walk with God. And for all believers, please make a covenant with him today. This was on his heart on Resurrection Sunday, Easter morning. Listen to his shout over your life. May your life be shaped and fashioned and directed and guided by his strong shout over your life. Amen.